1: entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley.
0: Hi, everyone. Nick Bradley here. Welcome to the show for this week again. I am going to get into a great topic this week. You are in for a treat. There are two things that I think a business owner needs to really focus on. When When they get their business to a point where it's working well, everything's working with precision. They've mastered organic growth they then need to move into what I call the strategic growth phase. And there are two really key parts to this. And not, not a lot of people talk about this. I'm really surprised. One is acquisitions. How can you double your business overnight by buying good profitable businesses, often using other people's money to do so? and the second thing is how can you create literally game changing joint ventures and partnerships that can again exponentially grow you in ways that you know organic growth can't you know now don't get me wrong you've got to get the organic thing working for you but once you've got that working you've got to be more strategic and these two things are absolutely key to doing that so today i have on the show the world expert. The, 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 the guy, this guy is the world expert on joint ventures. In fact, he calls himself the joint venture expert, and his name is Sahail Khan. Now, he is the founder of the Joint Venture Group. He has been a sought-after business growth speaker, coach, author for years on this topic, and he has literally been going for something like 15 to 20 years, just focused on you know million-dollar partnering, high-level partnering, the stuff that's going to absolutely change the game. Now, I met Sahil for the first time on Clubhouse. You know, I've talked about Clubhouse a lot, you know, about six months ago. We have shared many, many stages together. I've been in his pitch rooms, which have just been absolutely incredible. In fact, if you have a business and you are looking to go out there and raise capital or even just get introduced to people who can help you grow and scale, I suggest you go onto Clubhouse, have a look for the pitch rooms under Sahil Khan's Club And, uh, you know, you are going to get a heap of value by being in those rooms. So we're going to go, it's a long episode today. We're going to go into quite a lot of depth. I want to get practical. I want you to be able to take away stuff. So this is what I would call a joint venture and partnership masterclass with the master himself. So sit back, relax, get the notepad out. You are going to learn a heap of stuff from the joint venture expert himself, Mr. Sahail Khan. Okay. Hi, everyone. It is Nick here and welcome to the show for another week. You know what? It's funny, right? Over the years of doing Scale Up Your Business and Scale Up and all the stuff that I talk about, I've talked about all the different ways you can grow a business strategically. I've talked about acquisitions. I've talked about some of the organic stuff that people get meshed into, but we've never gone into the wild world of joint ventures and strategic partnerships. And the reason for that is because I didn't know the guy who was the world expert until about six months ago. And so I am absolutely delighted to have with me on the show today, Sahail Khan, the Joint Venture Expert. Welcome, sir.
1: No, thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. So this
0: is funny, like, you know, as I was thinking about this, we met about six months ago, thereabouts, um, in what I call the wild West days of, Clubhouse, <laughs> yeah. right? of Clubhouse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think it's worked for us both in different ways since then. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's evolved. But, um, I remember meeting you and being in the same room as you multiple times. And in the beginning, the heady days, we had to introduce ourselves Yeah. yeah. and I reckon I could almost do your your intro
1: <laughs> intro. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been consistent, isn't it? Oh, it's always, it's always been. Saying. That's yeah. the one thing yeah. I remember
0: about you, Sahel. It was super consistent, but I'm going to ask yeah. you to do your intro here now so that okay. the listeners of the show can get to know
1: you. Yeah, cool. Uh, my name is Sahel Khan and, um, do you want me to do the clubhouse intro or the normal intro? Uh, do the normal one because I could do, I can okay. do the
0: clubhouse one, but do, do the problem. Yeah, cool. We're going to get into your story a bit today, and then I want to get yeah, into yeah, the, sure. the tactics and strategies of joint ventures.
1: Yeah, cool. Cool. My name is Sahil Khan, and I'm known as the joint venture expert. Uh, quick background to myself. I founded a very successful um, SaaS uh, e-learning business back in early 2000. I scaled that to, to eight figures using just joint venture strategic partnerships. And then in 2008, during the last recession, I lost everything. It went from being a multi-millionaire totally broke. And then in 2009, set myself a challenge to make a million dollars in 12 months, ended up doing a $1.5 million joint venture licensing deal in uh, 30 days after I became known as the joint venture expert. Uh, Since then, I've built a very successful corporate consulting practice in corporate America, exited that in 2017 by an acquisition partnership for eight figures, and now I'm pretty much semi-retired and here to give back.
0: That's good. You know what? I probably couldn't do it as good as that. That That's just like perfectly <laughs> delivered. I mean, there's so many places we could start here, but I want to kind of go back to the beginning to some extent because yeah, uh, th- th- that sort of, you know, 30 days, 1.5 million. What was the foundation of all that? Why did you get into joint ventures?
1: For me, basically it was really uh, inspired by a book I've read from uh, Jay Abraham called getting everything you can out of all you've got. And uh, have you got it? <laughs> and f- and there's that was a the few, book. there's only a few books that sit on my yeah, desk. That's it. That's <laughs> the one. And that there book is. really sparked, really sparked it off for me. I never knew that this uh, strategy existed where you had the ability to basically, um, uh, enter a strategic partnership or a joint venture with someone who had, Access to the customer audience that you're after and would actually give you access to that customer audience without paying anything upfront. That's what really fascinated me. You know, a lot of people spend money on marketing and they put budgets in place for marketing, and it's like, how much money do we need to spend to acquire XYZ? But this was a phenomenal concept where you don't have to spend any money up front you only part with money when uh, you get results when sales are made then you pay a commission on the back of those sales and but not only that the the other thing is collaboration right and what i found from strategic partnerships was the the share leverage how you can leverage other people's networks how you can leverage other people's communities so joint ventures and strategic alliances and partnerships for me, it's it's something that I've always done, and I have managed to dominate industries, right? Which I was a nobody in, right? And plot myself into an industry where I know nothing about the landscape. However, there are other people in the industry or in that landscape already who are making millions or billions or whatever, and uh, I have the ability to be able to uh, create partnerships um, and strategic alliances to basically piggyback on the back of basically their success. So get right,
0: right into the get right into the flow of money pretty much.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what I always say is this, I always say this to everyone I meet now, money is, is uh, the, the money flows, right? It goes yep. from A to B. You have to, what you do is create a conduit in between A and B, and you have to be in the middle to receive that money and have that money go through you. So wherever somebody or something or something is making money, there is an ability for you to make money guaranteed by being in the middle of that equation. And that's how I've always played it. I've always tried to put myself in the middle of that equation equation. So whatever flows from a to B, it comes through me also in the middle of that equation. So that's cool. how I I've you know what? we've got
0: right into, we've got right into the tactics of this straight away. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's play with that and we can have some fun. So, yeah, yeah. so use the word conduit. Now just to play, play this through in my mind, how do you pick the point of value? That, that you are going to come in. So let's, let's take your example of you going into an industry or a set of relationships where you're not known.
1: E- easy. Right. What it is, is, is my intention, right? My okay. intention is not really to, uh, how should I say, um, uh, um, uh, my intention is not to, um, uh, I'm trying to find make the question. Money? Is it, I mean, are you not yeah. Yeah. About- exa- yeah. Yeah. Initially make money. Right. My, okay. my intention is not to look at a person or a specific object or a specific, uh, um, uh, community and say, okay, how can I leverage that? How can I make money from this person? Right. Cause that's what everyone's thinking. Everyone in the game, in the game of business, most people think, okay, I, I know this dude, I know this person, how can yes. I make money from this person? They always think about themselves my uh always my intuition is to when to into going into any uh equation is how can i how can i do something for that person right how can i show that person that i'm here to help them first because look, my, my motto in life has always been give first ask later because eventually it happens and what happens is when you build a relationship and you build that trust with someone your ask it, it, it just becomes an ask it doesn't have to be a proposal it can just be a question and that person, because you already built a relationship with them, they'll be willing to do pretty much every, everything for you. So, yeah, it's always going into an equation by thinking to myself, how can I help other people? Now, Zig Ziglar had that quote, right? If, I love that. Uh, you, how, what's that quote he says? He says, if you can help as yeah. many uh, other people become successful. You become successful yourself. It's something, right? like, something if you, like if you if
0: you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have you'll everything you work. want in life. Because yeah. that that quote, and this is probably where you and I connected a bit. that, yeah. that quote changed my life. I heard that quote yeah. for the first time in twenty eighteen. Like only what three yeah. years ago, and that changed everything for me.
1: It's and I still love it, and I, and still today, it's the, it's the same philosophy that I always have. It's like I I know for a fact that making money is easy, right? Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, Making money is easy. It's not difficult at all because like I said, you've got to just be the conduit. You've got to put yourself in the middle of wherever the money's being exchanged. But the, the big thing is having the ability to be able to make connections put people together and build a community. So I've done it time and time again and even on Clubhouse for example, you know, I, I never knew the in, in investor community at all. We, you know, ourselves, we come from a marketing background for example, you know, we know all these marketers or let's say internet marketers or whatever. You know, that is the community that we when we first came with to Clubhouse, it was like it's it's full of marketers. But then through the identification, through the uh the uh, uh through having conversations, you find yourself thrown into a different marketplace altogether. And, uh, and that's what happened to me. You know, I was introduced to someone, they said, well, you know, tell me more about what you do. And I said, I do joint ventures. And they said, well, you know, c- can you make some connections for us? I said, sure. That's something that I'd love to do. And I do it for free. You know, I do it, just for you, just to connect you with a few people. And I did that, and then it just snowballed from there. And then, you know, more people joined. Then uh, I, I started building a community. And now, you know, we looked at the value of that community. It's well over $2.3, 2400000000 billion. And, and when the people say your network is your net worth, well, the, net, the, net, the network is over $2.5 billion. So it well, there is you amazing. go. So yeah. I, I,
0: I saw, I saw you looking at cars the other day. Um, Sahel, so therefore yeah. I thought it must, it must be working for you, but um, <laughs> just to, just to play around. Cause I know, you know, you teach this stuff, you know, people come to you and kind of, you've got some high level programs and all that yeah. sort of thing, but just to lift the Komodo on the playbook. a second here, right? Just to kind of give a bit of value to the listeners here and also maybe to inspire them to go a little bit further if they want to find out more from you. Yeah. When you're teaching this stuff, where do you start? So obviously I'm assuming it's going to start with, you've got to make that connection. You've got to serve without expectation. I
1: think there's a
0: practical bit to it too, isn't there? Understanding what that person's problem is or whatever it is.
1: that's the underlying foundation. But the first thing you've got to really do is try and is learn how to build rapport with people. And the communication aspect is the biggest thing. So for me, uh, the ability to do what I do and do it very successfully is because I can easily build rapport with people. And with me, like I said, I don't see people as numbers. So if I'm having a conversation or I'm, having, uh, I'm conversing with someone and they don't fit my core demographic, for example, I will not dismiss them. My mm-hmm. job is to see if I can find somebody else that can help them. And it, I remember many, many years ago when I went on a, I was part of a mastermind uh, called the Winner Circle in the US. And uh, they do this um, uh, mastermind cruise uh, once or twice a year. And on the cruise, we had a lot of uh, well-known uh, thought leaders, right? A lot of thought leaders on the, on the cruise. And um, I still remember that day because I was, uh, all I was doing on the cruise where everyone else was trying to sort of tout their business, as to say. Uh, all I was doing was connecting people. And I, I, I was oblivious to the fact that I could make money from what I'm doing, right? I was like, okay, George, I'm speaking to George and George says, well, this is what I do. And this is what I'm trying to figure out. And this is what I'm looking for. And I said to George, that's fine. Leave that on me, George. If I find two or three people that fit that uh, description that you're looking for, I will definitely make that connection. And then what happened was, uh, I, that's, what, that's what I was doing. And then eventually, word got round on the cruise and people said, go and speak to this guy. He's he going to speak to Sahel. He's the connector, right? He's the guy who's putting people together on this cruise. And then it all just developed from there. And it was like, you know, I got known as the connector as the person who's creating all these partnerships. So, you know, that's how, I, that's how I, I've always uh, played, I guess, because there's a lot to do with my past, you know, having made millions and lost millions. I didn't, uh, my whole mindset changed in terms of business and what, what's the meaning of life. And, um, because when i was a lot younger i was very um a brash um i was very egotistic uh, all i wanted to do was be rich right and rich for me was you know live in a 15 bedroom mansion have a couple of ferraris and Porsches on the drive that is all i ever um uh that was, that, those are my goals my goals was to be rich you know, and then when I lost everything eventually, and I, I realized that, you know what, th- there's more to life than this, right? There's absolutely more to life than this. And then I had the ability to make money really quickly. I was like, okay, look, I need to be doing something really in my life that's going to make an impact on other people because eventually that will trickle down to me. So my main aim then wasn't to make millions uh, again, or, or keep making millions. It was, how can I help more people? um, uh, uh, you know, to make them successful because at the end of the day, I know it will eventually trickle down. So, and I still do it to this day. You know, I still do a lot of things for people because it's about making impact. Right. Um, and, Can we go into know, what the,
0: happened? I mean, so, so, yeah, cause, sure. cause, cause you know, the so, the so how before and the so how after are obviously fundamentally different people. And, oh, yeah. and, and, and I, and I think people learn a lot from changes and transitions, right? So what, so, so first and foremost, what were you doing beforehand that that was successful monetary wise, you know, what was your kind of craft, so to speak? And then what happened to lose it? Because I know, I know how you got out of it and we, we want to yeah. talk about that, but I want to know the, the sort of the beginning story.
1: Yeah, so so I originally um, uh, trained as an accountant then I got a job as a management consultant working for a Pricewaterhouse before they were PwC. And okay. um, while working there, um, in the tax division, that's what I was good at. I was always good at numbers. In school, I was a proper geek, right? I was just numb numbers. I was top of my class, and then you know I decided to go and and uh, and, and pursue a career in uh, in numbers, basically. But then what I got there eventually, it was not what I what it what I what it seemed. It was like stuck in an office 9 to 5, uh, uh, dr- uh, drilling numbers. And to me, I sat there thinking there must be more to life than this. You know, I mean, I, my life could not just be sitting in an office all day, you know, drilling numbers. And then um, I spotted a gap in the market. The e-learning market was um, uh, in in the US had started, there was a boom and uh, there was an opportunity in the the UK, no one else had done that uh, before. So I left this cushy job to start an e-learning company, uh, saw a gap in the market. Uh, Obviously, um, uh, I, 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 I read Jay's book, uh, about joint ventures and licensing. And one of the things that we did very successful in that uh, uh, um, time was license somebody else's content. So that business started off very, very rapidly. We went from zero to seven figures within six months. The way we did that was we, we licensed someone else's content from the US, bought it to the UK, uh, white labeled it, which means we put our uh, logos and our name on it. And we started selling that instantly in the UK. And then Things just basically took off from there. And that was basically the, the e-learning business that I created based on somebody else's content. And then uh, we started, uh, innovation was the biggest thing for us. Every six months we would innovate to become the leader in the field. Uh, we, were the first, um, uh, uh, we were one of the first organizations in the UK and Europe to develop a standalone e-learning server. Back then um, the internet was an issue, a um, security on the internet. So e-learning was a very slow adoption in the UK. And what we did was we developed a standalone uh, e-learning server that could just be plugged into an intranet. So we were one of the first companies in the UK, Europe, to develop that. So what we were doing was all about innovation. And then um, uh, rapidly, that business uh, grew. Uh, We did more licensing deals. So I'm always about leverage, right? I try and look at uh, uh, critical points within a business in terms of assets that we already have. Instead of spending, spending, spending more, uh, and creating creating more. I try and look at what assets we already have and how we can leverage the existing assets. Again, taken from Jay Abraham's principles in terms of getting everything uh, you can out of all you've got. And then you know, we successfully grew that business, partnership after partnership after partnership. And then eventually we uh, partnered with um, a, uh, a computer hardware company in the UK who had over 500,000 customers. We did a, a deal with them. Uh, and um, they basically turned around and said look we, we're not interested in a JV what we want to do is we're interested in buying your business because at that time there was um you know we had um, uh, a lot of companies buying up businesses they had lots of money in their balance sheet there and they were just going buying up a lot of uh, online based companies as you know most most companies that did that, most online companies were duds, and you know they went, they went under. So, we, we did a majority stake, um, uh, majority uh, cash and equity, mm-hmm. and basically, uh, we had an equity stake in their business. They were a nine-figure uh, company, sat on the board of a nine-figure company. But what was uh, unknown to us was this business that basically acquired our um, e-learning company was in trouble. So, they'd been around for like 25 years. And then uh, just uh, before the recession, um, uh, they basically actually just close to 2008. Overnight, they went bust. What happened was uh, the night before, um, they made a decision to liquidate the company. To this day, we still don't know what it was. Some people, rumors are that there was a tax or a VAT issue they had, and they had to dump the company. Mm -hmm. So uh, the next day, we got bought in. And, uh, there was a meeting and, uh, the CEO and the chairman said, look, you know, we're going to, we're going we're going to liquidate the company, but don't worry because we're going to set up a Phoenix, um, uh, company, which basically is the, the term Phoenix rise from the ashes. Yeah. They just, um, transfer all the assets to a new, uh, a, a new company. But for us, for me, it was like, look, this is not going to work because if you guys, but they basically killed my business. So I, I was like, if you're going to do that to me, I can't work with people like that. You know, I can't trust people like that. And, the, and what really killed me was two things. One is I signed guarantees with the bank because this company had been around for 25 years. We had no idea that they would disappear overnight, right? Uh, they had a good reputation in the marketplace. They were the leader in the field. Uh, and then number two, also, I was the guy that had the most assets. I was the young guy with the big house, all the fancy cars. You know, I had the assets. So I was the first person the bank came after. So the bank's like, okay, unless, who's got the most assets? Oh, this guy, he, he, he lives in a 15 bedroom mansion. He's also got uh, a couple of Ferraris. He's got some Porsches. He's got a Bentley. So I I was the person that came after. So I had to negotiate with them uh, to avoid bankruptcy. I liquidated my assets. I paid off the bank and then I was totally broke. And then from there I moved back home. Yeah, it was, I didn't know the full story before. I know you talked
0: around the story, but geez, so you were, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that happens. I mean, I get involved in deals like this all the time, as you know, but Jesus, man.
1: I got wiped out like to- overnight. It's like one minute, you're one minute, you're living the multi lifestyle. And you know, the, the group that bought my business, we even had a private jet. We had everything. And obviously I, now, you know, where all that money was going. Um, and then that happened. I ended up moving back to my uh, mum's, uh, and I was now I was just totally broke. So I went through a, bi- a, a lot of a depression, you know, because yes. one of the things I was doing was asking myself, what? Uh, what if? What if? Right? What if I did this? What if I did that? What if I did 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 things differently? What if I? What if we didn't uh, end up doing a deal with this um, group and selling and selling to them? So you know you ask yourself questions, but then you realise, look, it's done. It's it's in the past. You can't change it. So would, you, would uh, you have
0: done anything differently? I mean, I mean, if you think back, I mean, I I, I believe everything serves us, right? So there's a point where even if something's horrific you know, you can turn it around depending on your mindset. Right? I believe that.
1: I'm actually, I'm actually glad it happened because I would have not imagined the type of person I would have been, uh, where, where like I was back then compared to what I am right now. Yeah. Um, one of the things that taught me was not to, not to have attachment, right? Not to be attached. I was so attached to materialistic things. That's, all I was concerned about, about when am I going to, what, what, what am I going to acquire next? what, what would I, You know, I was very close to buying a, a, D, a DB5 uh, just before then. You know, I had a couple of classic cars and I was like, yeah, I'm going to build this massive collection, blah, blah, blah. And I was very egotistic. I didn't really care about anyone else. It was all about me and I, I, how I'm, I'm building this empire, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I realized um, a lot from that, that I was doing nothing to make an impact. I was doing nothing to uh leave a legacy i was doing nothing it was all me 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 right so uh in in a sense i'm glad it happened and you know when i came back i still remember that day my mom says to me look what are you going to do right now and i said look what uh, there's nothing i can do i said right now i'm at the bottom i'm on the ground there's only one way I i can go and that is up so and, and the biggest thing was, the biggest thing that really was a slap in the face was in the same area where my mother lived, all my friends from school and, and university, or all my old school friends, they had, now, um, they, had, they had now got married, had kids, they now had their own houses, obviously mortgages, they had their nice flashy cars. And not one of them said to me, I'm really sorry that, that, that this happened to you, everything's going to be okay. No, they said to me, you should have stayed in your job. Uh, you had a great job as a management consultant in the city. You should have stayed in your job because it was more secure. But also we know for a fact that there's nothing, there's no security. There's no security there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got yeah, worse in yeah. the last 18 months, yeah, but yeah, even so,
0: yeah. I mean, God. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and, and that for me was like, my God, you know, I, I, and that really made me even more depressed. And then what I did was I said, look, I've got to really figure out what I'm doing in my life. Do I go, Back into business and do what people do, you know, uh, going from broke to you know from millionaire to broke and then back again, or shall I just give it all up and just just do something else, like go volunteering or just you know just do something else? So I actually ended up in a monastery, uh, and uh, yeah, this is a story. Oh, no, I, I know a, a bit
0: about this, but I didn't know. Oh, I'm going to go deeper in this as well. So yeah, so 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 of those two decisions, just to stop there and pause for a second. Yeah, you know, the, the monastery thing. Did you think I need? To, it's almost like taking a gap year. <laughs> I need yeah, to go because,
1: and get my head sorted out. I, I had to go somewhere. I had to go somewhere where no one would speak to me. And I said, look, I need to be somewhere where it's quiet. No one speaks to me. And as you know, this, is a, it's, it's the silence, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is. And I need to go somewhere where I can just think about wh- what's my next move, right? What am I doing next? Because I was still in survival mode, you know, even though I lost everything. When you're living that multi-millionaire lifestyle, you still got bills to pay. You still you still have people chasing you. And I was like, I've got to figure something out here because I will go crazy. And God forbid. I mean, you know, you've heard ho- horror stories about people, especially when um the um the, the what's his name? The Maddie is it Bernoff? Uh, I forgot his name now.
0: Oh, the- uh, Madoff. Yeah, well, Madoff. That's it. Yeah.
1: When, when the Madoff thing happened, and all those people lost money, yeah. a lot of people end up killing themselves. You know, committing suicide. And you know, I never got to that. I never really got to that stage. But for me, it was like it was just I was so depressed, I just couldn't think straight. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't. What do I do? I don't know what to do. And the thing is, your brain just goes all fuzzy because you don't realize that you've got the skills and you've actually done this before your brain just, uh, uh, it just refuses to accept the fact that, you know what, there is a possibility. It just says, you know, Oh, woe is me. That's it. It's over game over. And that's why I had to get away. And I said, look, I've got to do, I've got to get away. I've got to think about what I'm doing. And um, it's really bizarre because I always say to people, the monastery thing, right. was the most amazing thing I experienced in my life because, you know, I'm, I'm not a super religious person, but I do, uh, I do have religious beliefs, which I really hold on to, and I'll tell you more about those beliefs uh, as we go along. Yeah, yeah, My absolutely. biggest, yeah, my biggest thing that keeps me grounded and is my belief system, and and when I when I tell you about the belief system, it's going to blow you away. Um, but in the monastery, it was amazing. I went to the library in the monastery, and in the monastery, they had books on every theology every religion i was shocked i was like wow these Wait, guys where were not- you did you go overseas or was it where, where no it you- was here there's one in the uk there's right. one in the uk okay yeah, one in the uk so um i went uh, i went to the uh, i went over to the monastery um and it was interesting because in the monastery most of the people that i met were uh, were bankers and yeah yeah there were bankers and very <sighs> high level high level, uh, CEO. I should have gone there
0: as well. I reckon I would have fit crazy. right in.
1: <laughs> it was crazy. There were like bankers, CEOs from the city in this monastery doing the, doing the, doing the silent, um uh, um, uh, meditation. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that I got taught there was, um, how to control my mind, right? Because one of the things they taught there was that, you know, your thoughts control things yeah. and having the ability to live in the uh, confines of your mind. And it was amazing because we we sat down and, and they they showed us some exercises to do. And one of the things that I realized was that I, I, I forgot everything. i I sat down and meditated, and it was like your body floats away. It's a really bizarre experience, right? It's like your your body floats away and it actually looks at you, right? It's really bizarre. No, I do just, I do transcendental meditation,
0: which yeah, is slightly yeah. different, but I have a, there's a, there's an experience that you have when you when you do that, which is just weird. Yeah. It kind of yeah. feels warm and fuzzy and strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And people, talk about this, people talk about this thing called ayahuasca, right? And they say, yeah. you know. Uh, oh, that's the drug thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and you go into a different uh, state and you can actually see things outside of your body. It was very similar to that. Now, I don't know what they had in that place, but um, and who knows what it was. But it, it was the ability to be able to extract yourself from the situation, right mm-hmm. so whatever your situation whatever situation your body is in because it's your body right that reacts yeah to a situation you're, you you uh, you extract yourself from the body and you're like it's nothing it's absolutely nothing. so I, I say to people look it's really bizarre it's really hard to explain so if if if, 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 if i was standing in a building and it was on fire i could literally sneak into my head (laughs) to my mind and forget about the burning building around me it is pretty phenomenal stuff so is that just from did you train
0: for i mean how long were you there for how long were you kind of partaking in sort of that sort of level of meditation
1: I, 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 i was there for a week i was there for a week so every day they would sit down and they would take you through these exercises and then obviously they had readings as well so it was just a phenomenal phenomenal experience and uh um, from that I learned a lot right and then uh, I learned a lot about um, not being attached right yeah. to anything and I think the attachment for me was the biggest thing. you know I like to be in a situation where um, I have the and this sounds really strange, uh, especially when uh, I'm married and I've got kids so it's impossible to walk away <laughs> but I, I like to find myself in situations where, I have the ability to walk away You know, uh, if, if I'm in a situation that I don't like or I can't control. And one of the things that also they taught was about the control issue. So if you're ever in a situation and it is out of your control, um, uh, it, it's how it is. It's just how it is. You, you don't have the ability to control every single situation in your life. So the ability to walk away from a situation is um is something that I was taught a lot of. That's why I think I'm really good at negotiation as well. Because, yeah, you know, you're not attached in negotiation. to
0: negotiation. Yeah, yeah. That that so, walk away for a second. You're talking about the mental walk away, aren't you? You're yeah, you're the sort of saying walk away. so you so you know you can physically be in a situation but you're not going to get attached to that situation because you've it, trained it, your ability to do that.
1: It, exactly. So it doesn't affect your judgment. It doesn't affect yeah, the way nice. you think. And, and you don't have the ability, when you go away from that situation, you're thinking still about the situation, which is what I was doing a lot of when I lost everything. All I thought about every day, night and day was that and I couldn't sleep because I was, at night I was thinking, well, what's going to happen if X, Y, Z, right? And that was based on my situation. Uh, and then that made me, gave me the ability to walk away from that situation mentally. So I wouldn't have to think about no, it. That's I get I it. No, I, I totally
0: get yeah. it. And th- who inspired you to go to that, that place, that monastery? Did you I just research did re- it?
1: I did research. Yeah. I did. Yeah, research okay. where can I, I typed in, where can I go? Basically where it's like quiet or silent. And you like also thin. got
0: taught some stuff as well. I mean, do you still partake in like meditation daily or anything like that? Is it now part I, of I, your routine?
1: I do. I mean, I've been meditating since I was very, very young, but not at that level that I do now. So uh, for me, I do a lot of that and it. It's really weird, right? My belief system is this, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you- what Yeah, I want
0: to hear that because you, you've, you've sowed the seed, a so you've got to give it to us. So, so my, beef,
1: my belief system is this. We live in a temporary world, right? And, and, and my belief system is this world is temporary, which means that this is not the end destination. This is not the end goal. There is a higher plane that you're gonna reach when you die. Okay, and that, that, that plane is where you're gonna live forever. It's basically the afterlife, right, yep. for example. And if you really think about it logically, whether you succeed or fail in this life doesn't matter because this life is temporary. What does matter is what, you, what impact you make and what impact you leave behind, because that is what you will take with you, right? So if you really, really think about it, a lot of people always say, oh, I wish I was this. I wish I was that. Oh, he's got this. They've got this. We haven't got that. We should have that. And then other people are like, okay, what investments do I need to make? Um, uh, you know, I need to make money, I need to invest money, you know, but but a lot of people don't think this world is temporary, you know, eventually your life on this earth will end. So I think the biggest thing really that you can do is ask your question, ask the question, not how much money can I make? What impact can I make? Right? It it, it doesn't have to be a huge impact. As long as it's an impact and you're making an impact in this world, I think that's one of the most important things. I think that, thing, that is you know,
0: awesome, mate. And yeah. you know what, that, that I didn't quite appreciate that we would get into this conversation on the show because right. it kind of, because it's funny, like the, 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 the new version of scale up your business is scale up. And we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about impact. We're talking about people who do extraordinary things to make an impact. Now, of course there's a business thread to that, but yeah, actually course, it's always. also about life, right? I'm not just yeah, talking, definitely. I mean, I've got a guy on tomorrow night who's the hundred mile world champion right? Wow. We're not going to talk about business. <laughs> right? uh, exactly. We're going to talk about belief systems and values and that stuff. Um,
1: and, I mean, I, that, and, I think, and I think they go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Having, the ability, having the ability to scale up and understanding that it's unlimited, right? Mm. If you really, really put your mind to it and you know how to leverage those resources, whether it's your brain, whether it's uh, the community, it's it is unlimited the way you can actually take things so yeah scaling up in your life scaling up your business they go ha- it comes go
0: back ahead. to identity i think a lot of the time yeah. and who you who you become right and who yeah. you want to become i mean that's i i didn't quite realize the depth of the story we never covered that in clubhouse so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so let, let's talk about like you know what you've created since obviously we know a little bit about the fact that you had to turn this thing around so you came back from the monastery yeah. is that where you set the goal that, you know, you wanted to make a million dollars, a million pounds, whatever it was in a year.
1: Yeah, correct. That was it for me. It was like, okay, look, what do I need to do? And then obviously I said, look, I, I set myself a challenge to do a couple of uh, deals. I said, look, I, I've done this before. I know how JVs work. I'm going to do a couple of deals. Uh, and then I'm going to basically, uh, my, my, my goal was a million pounds or a million dollars, right? I said, yeah. I'm going to make a million dollars. And then I'm going to, after I'm going to chill because that will give me enough, uh, uh, buffer in terms to pay some of the stuff that I need to and let me just relax and figure out where I go from there. So, uh, but then like, again, you know, because you, uh, when you're so good at doing this and you can do it with your eyes closed, you have like this 360 degree radar um, so when you're reading or looking at things, you always spot opportunities, which is a lot of my students complain about it because they're like, Hell, seriously, B- before we done your program, we never saw these opportunities. And God, every day when I go and speak to people, it's like I see too many opportunities, right? That's because you condition yourself and, you know, you, you open up your, uh, your understanding. So for me, I was reading the, it was the mail on Sunday, right? That's what it was. Mail on Sunday. And there was a one page ad and it was for a book called How to Use Your PC in Two Hours. And it was one page ad and I love me. I'm a big direct marketing geek, right? I love reading classified ads because I learn a lot from headlines and, you know, and the more you see an ad repeat running, you know, that that's one of the most got to be successful. Right. So I saw this one page, I kept seeing it and I was like, one page ad is a book. I have to use your PC in two hours. But what I saw was underneath, it said over 400,000 copies sold. So for me, straight away, I was like, okay, they've got a a database of 400,000 customers right, who have bought this book on how to use your PC. Now, remember, my background was uh, e-learning, computer training, right? So that's my background. So I contacted this uh, company. I said, look, I bought this book for my uncle. He's more visual. Do you have a video version of this book? They said, no. I said, well, I've got a video version of the book. Would you be interested in uh, us talking about how we can upsell that to your existing customers? And they said, uh, yeah, sounds good. So I basically uh, got, yeah, exactly. So simple. That's
0: that's just so simple. It's one of those, like, it's not. It's simple, but it's not simple, if that makes sense. Like, I can see now why your students go, they haven't seen things because you've looked at it sort of logically and laterally.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, right, number one, sometimes it's the numbers game, but number two, if you don't uh, take the action, you'll never get the result. That's what it comes down to, right? If you don't take Mm. the action, you'll never get a result. And my thing is always about, um, uh, uh, again, direct response, doing things to get a reaction, right? I always do that in business. I w- I've always done things to get a, a, some sort of a direct response. Okay, I, I want a response from the other side so I can continue a dialogue or conversation. So I got invited to their offices. It was a very successful uh, publishing company. They published a, a catalog, uh, this back in the catalog days. And um, uh, they uh, basically, uh, we had a conversation. And they said to me, look, we, we, we'd love to see this um, a video course that you have. And I said, well, you know what, I, 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 did, I forgot to bring it with me. I did, actually didn't have it. I just pitched it, right? I said, I haven't, I haven't actually got it. I left it in the office. And the, the MD said, look, I, this, is, this, is, this sounds really good. And this could be something that we'd be interested in. Could you please uh, send it across to us? We'll, we'll evaluate it. And if it is what it is, then, we yeah, of course, we'd be interested to see how we can work together um, uh, uh, through a partnership. So I walked away from this meeting thinking, oh, oh crap, they, they want to do a deal. I don't have the product what do I do now? So uh, again, one of the other things that I've I learned a lot from is um, a distribution is where the money is, right? So they always say the money's in the distribution. So most people, when it comes to doing a joint venture, they always start with the product. They think, okay, I've got a product. Now I want to go and find some JV partners. The biggest deals that I've done has always been getting access to someone's customer audience and then just introducing products to them, right? That's the biggest And deal then, while I've Creating done.
0: the product once you've got demands.
1: Yeah, exactly. Either creating the product or going out and finding them uh, potential JV partners to use that database to use that customer base. Right. That's that is the easiest, uh, easiest sort of. Uh, but you're life. back to
0: to your initial <laughs> point about being the conduit. You're not making the product. Yes. You're not exactly bringing up the audience, but you're the connector between those two things, and you make money in the margin.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I go out and say, look, um, you got this. Uh, you have customers who are buying from you right now. Um, what else do your customers w- would be interested in that you're not providing right now? Because here's the thing, your customers are currently going elsewhere to buy things, but they should be buying from you. So the adage is like Walmart's. You walk into Walmart's. Walmart, sell Walmart stuff, but they also sell branded things as well because they don't want people yeah. going anywhere else. If Walmart's was just Walmart's, they would just have Walmart brand, but they don't, they have Walmart and they have, uh, and they have brands as well, because they don't want people going elsewhere to buy. They already have a distribution in uh, football, People come in and they sell them whatever they can because they want you're, these people.
0: Sorry, the, the, but yeah. this, is, this is kind of where like our worlds um, collide really well because two things happen, right? So in the world of acquisitions, you're often saying, well, I could go and partner with someone to get their product to sell to my audience or I could just go and buy them, right? You know, typically yeah. that. And then the other thing that's quite interesting, you know, around that is, you know, and you mentioned it from the outset, quite often that partnership turns into an acquisition anyway. Yeah, correct. So it's quite it's quite interesting that, you know, the stuff that you do lends itself into some of the more strategic value creation stuff as well.
1: The acquisitions is the is, is the biggest thing. I mean, if you and, and that's how that's one of my business models, um, um acquisition by partnerships or partnerships yeah, by acquisitions. So, you know, you go into a partnership with someone, the partnership goes so well that you get acquired. So, and I'll talk more about that business model in terms of how that works, but um, where were we? Okay, yeah, so- about uh, the
0: supermarket and the distribution channels and own label.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And then with this uh, company that um, uh, said to me, you know, go and get this uh, DVD. So I went out and I went uh, onto a freelance site which I yeah. think is called Upwork now. Um, and I basically just put a project. I said, look, I've got this book. Here are the contents. Can someone create a video course based on the contents of this book? So uh, I got it created and it was just screenshots, basically uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, screen, uh, screen, uh, screen grabs on a video. And I paid $500 for that. Uh, I owned it. I, I, I owned the license to that. And that was my actual product. And then I went back to the company. I said, look, here's the, here's the DVD based on the book. And they absolutely loved it. They loved it. They really loved it. And they said, well, wow, this, this looks really good. And I said, well, you know, my I've, I've, I've had my team working on it all night, but I didn't. I just outsourced it. <laughs> so okay. uh, we, had, we had an agreement in place and um, uh, uh, for them to promote it to the existing customers. Now, I said to them, look, you're a direct mail company, right? So you know your stats very well. Um, if we sell this to your existing customers, how many of them do you think will, uh, from the 400,000, how many think, them, do you think we'll buy this dvd and this said, well at least half of them so i said okay and mentally i wrote it down okay two hundred thousand people right we can, we can get two hundred thousand sales that sounds pretty good and then i was like okay how much do you want to sell this for and they said well we, we want to sell it out for 19 uh, 1995 and i said okay let's do this um you can keep majority of the sales i just want five pounds which is obviously seven dollars fifty right from each sale yeah uh, and if you and, and if you can give me that um, then I will give you the DVD. I'll also give you a license, which means that you can duplicate the DVD. Um, uh, you can distribute the DVD. You do all the promotion. You do... so, they, so they did everything. They did the distribution. They did the, yeah, a, a, the duplication. The... I love this. <laughs> yeah. They did everything. So I said, okay, that's the deal, right? So it's five pounds, $7.50 uh, is my cut per unit sold. So they did the campaign um, and they're a big catalog company. And Um, we sold just over 201,000 units of this DVD. My cut was £5, $7.50 per unit sold, $1.5 million from that deal. And the other thing we realized was uh, they also uh, uh, asked me, look, um, this um, partnership went uh, went so well, we'd be interested in rolling out to all of our customers. And I was like, what do you mean all of our customers? They had 4.2 million customers. 4.2 million customers. But then, uh, what happens is, as always happens, uh, a catalog company, um, e-commerce came, uh, and they were too slow to uh, to move to that format, and they're 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 into a bit bust. Um, I still I tried to acquire that customer base, but um, the um, the liquidator uh, liquidators wanted too much for it. Um, We we didn't come to a negotiation, but I really wanted to acquire. So many.
0: There's so many things in this conversation, like we could go deeper in, right?
1: Because, like, Crazy. you're right. Yeah. Like, you know,
0: there's, you've said it two or three times now. the The fact that there's big companies that go bust, right? And they go mm. bust quickly because scale matters and focus matters, and you know, having a clear strategy. And sometimes people get ahead of themselves. Yeah. Then we've got the whole acquisitions from partnerships thing, which we haven't touched on. Uh, and I definitely, before we finish, I definitely want to talk about some takeaways that people listening can, can do, right? Practically do yeah, sure. you know, as well. Sure. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the upstream to acquisitions model from the stuff that you do, because that kind of covers the stuff that I teach. I'd be curious your perspective on where that all fits into your model. So do okay, you, yeah, uh, so do you orchestrate that or do you, how do you, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, this is what I do, right? So I've done it. I've done it uh, twice so far. The uh, first time I did it was in Dubai, right? Yep. Many years ago uh, we moved to Dubai. And uh, when I was uh, engaged, Uh, we moved to Dubai and I didn't know the landscape at all. I had no idea how uh, this, uh, how Dubai worked in terms of business, uh, culture. And for me, it was like, okay, uh, what I need to do is I need to set up some strategic partnerships. right? And one of the things that we did, we saw saw a gap in the market in the training industry. No one had developed a publication for training. right? So I went onto LinkedIn, did some research, and then I created a group on LinkedIn uh, for uh, trainers based in the Middle East. And I asked the trainers, okay, so what would you like to see in this publication? They gave me a list of stuff that they wanted to see. So we had the content. Number two, it was like, okay, would you guys be willing to write for the publication in return for a mention? We got all the writers. So we were crowdsourcing everything as we were going along to build this publication. And then um, we went to all the big conference centers, all the big conferences. We partnered with them and said, look, here's what we're going to do. Um, if you can uh, supply all our magazines at every single conference location, we're talking. Thousands and thousands of people in these conferences. We will give you a free one-page ad in the uh, in the magazine, right? And then we uh, we went to uh, and then we used that as leverage. We went to other conference vendors and say, look, here's one of your competitors, this conference organization. They've just paid you know five thousand dollars for a uh, for, an, for an ad uh, uh, you know a media ad in the magazine. Um, you guys should really really piggyback because you'll be missing out on that. We started getting advertisers up front before we even published the magazine, right? We published the magazine and we were making $10,000 every month on the magazine as soon as we got out the gate. Then we tried to do a partnership with another larger publisher. Uh, they were the biggest publisher in the Middle East. And um, there's a lot of politics, a lot of red tape. They yeah. knew everyone, they were connected, <laughs> right? So yeah, so we ran that business for a year, for 12 months. And then uh, and then this uh, uh, we had a conversation with the with publication I went to go and see them and they said, look, um, we basically like what you're doing in the space and we want to acquire you. And we sold that business. We sold that business for six figures. In, what was the time 12, frame
0: between within, beginning and end of that?
1: Okay. So, uh, Approximately. It, it, uh, what from start to finish? Yeah. From, from just, the beginning. Just, yep. just under 12 months.
0: Yeah. See, this is, this is the stuff I, again, I like to draw lines underneath different things. Right. That's how quickly you can scale through this, because because it's funny. I, I talk about organic scale and strategic scale, right? I talk about organic being sales and marketing, all the stuff that you know you have to do the lifeblood of a business. But it's kind of one client at a time, one customer at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then acquisitions and JVs, you can get like incremental gains like that compound incredibly fast. So, so I say, you know, this is my thing, right? You know, if you want to get exponential growth, it's organic and strategic combined. Put those yeah. two things together. And that's, I mean, 12 months to get an exit from Crazy, just a couple yeah. of conversations.
1: Um, and, we, and, we, and I did it again with the consulting company. So I, I, I went out and started doing consulting. I'll tell you how it started, right? I, was, I got a message on LinkedIn and it was an insurance company based in New York. And the CEO, the CEO messaged me on LinkedIn and said to me, hey, uh, we found you on YouTube. Now, YouTube is where a lot of people find me, right? Because they type in, uh, they want to learn more about JVs. He said, yeah. watched your video. Watched your video. Interesting concept. Will this work for us? I said, okay, tell me a bit about what you're doing. He said, okay, here's the, here's the deal. We're spending six figures a month on lead gen, right, on uh, Google ads. The problem we're having is it's getting very expensive and a lot of our compu- competitors are outbidding us. This is a very, very uh, uh, competitive landscape. It's insurance, and we are collecting insurance leads. Will this work for us? I said, okay, look, definitely will. I said, if you're spending money on lead gen, the concept here is to go out and find uh, alternative uh, partners that have access to the customer audience that you need. They'll develop the leads for you for free because they'll allow you to promote to their customers, and then you just give them a kickback or a cup of every single sale that you close. That's how it works. So I said, there's no cost up front. You generate as much leads as you can. It's like a tap. You, you turn the tap on, leads come in. And if you get too many leads, you turn the tap off, which means that you don't do any more JVs or any more strategic partnerships. So um, yep. uh, is, is there a difference, sorry,
0: is there a difference between what we're talking about here and affiliate marketing? Or is it, are they both aligned, like left and right hand?
1: I would say they're both aligned, left and okay. right hand, yeah. Because affiliate, affiliate marketing is more about um uh yeah promoting somebody else's product for example and you could also do that through partnerships yeah. whereas th- these guys wanted to basically generate leads okay using jvs so um uh he, they they did message me this is all by linkedin messaging this is like probably 10 years 10 15 years uh, 10 years ago right uh, people are closing via messaging, messaging now. People brag about, oh, I just closed a, a $10,000, $5,000 deal via Messenger, right? This happened 10 years ago by a LinkedIn message. Then he says, um, okay, so tell me a bit about what, what do you have? Um, what kind of uh, programs do you have? And I said, well, I'll do a boot camp in Vegas. I said, it's three days. Uh, it's uh, 15K. And I can, I'll take you through everything, all the different concepts of how to uh, use uh, strategic alliances. And it's live, it's a hands-on camp in Vegas. So he said, look, uh, I've got three people, right, that need to be trained. Um, uh, Could you do a deal for us? I said, well, sure I can. I said, well, you know, uh, you tell me. I said, well, I said, well, I can do it. If it's three, three of you guys, I'll do it for 30K, right? For three guys, right? And he said, okay, what if you came to us in New York, and I said, what do you mean what if I came to you in New York? He said, could you come and spend a day with us? I'll pay you 30K, pay our, uh, train our three guys, and um, uh, would that work? And I was like, hell yeah. I said, okay. There's worse places York? to be flying yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, then, and, then, and then he said to me, okay, great. Uh, oh, also, by the way, we, we put our clients up in the Mandarin Oriental uh, Central Park. Would that be okay? Would that accommodation be okay for you? I'm know? like, what the? I was just like, say yeah, no, sure. just say no, and yeah. I want a private yeah. jet
0: as well, yeah. and I want I a like, Ferrari sure. at the end.
1: I was like, sure, and he goes, okay, that's fine. He goes, uh, and then he said, then he messaged me. He said to me, um, well, uh, we're doing training on one day, so I guess two nights, right? Two or three nights. I was like, what the hell is this? I said, okay, let's do three nights, right? And then he says to me brilliant. Sounds great. Um, if you can just send me across uh, an invoice and then uh, I will get, and your uh, bank details, I will get, um, uh, you know, uh, our, uh, our guys in accounting to um, to transfer the funds over to you by the end of the week. And I'm thinking, this is really fishy, right? I said, I've never spoken to this guy. We've had a conversation and he's asked me for my bank details, right? So, I spoke to my bank and said, look, do you think this is okay to do that? And I said, well, look, uh, I'd do some due diligence, do some research. Is this legit? Is this a real person? Blah, blah, so, blah. It looks like it's a real person. They have got a proper LinkedIn profile. And then every day I would check my bank out, right, thinking this must be a hoax, right? End of the week, Friday, $30,000 hits my bank account, And I'm like, God, Jesus, this is, this is the real deal. So I flew to New York, and that was my first consulting client, right? I spent a, 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 the night before, they took me out to a fancy uh, steakhouse restaurant, uh, all the trimmings, blah, blah, blah. That day, we spent the whole day in in his office with his team, showing them basically how to not only go out and find um, uh, strategic partnerships and alliances, but also how to um, how to how to generate the leads. Right. I so, said, look, this is going to help you because if you can do that, and you and you and you're generating all these leads for free, eventually. You won't have to do any PPC, right? any paid advertising. Trust me, right? And, and it, this is the best way to go. And then the next day, um, uh, he uh, I, I had a helicopter ride of Manhattan. It was crazy, and uh, <laughs> limo dinner. And then he goes, oh, I really, and you can see the testimonial of that is actually on uh, YouTube of the guy. He's got a purple shirt. He's sitting there and he's, uh, you know, and he's, he's telling, uh, he's talking about uh, the, the day that we spent together. And that was it. And that that was my benchmark. My benchmark was $30,000 a day for consulting, right? Then uh, another, com- uh, uh, no, then what happened was I got a message on LinkedIn and uh, a guy said to me, bought, I, I bought your book, Guerrilla Marketing and Joint Ventures. Absolutely love it. Um, I'm going to share this with me, with my CEO because I think uh, we could really do with this uh, you know, in-house, right? So I said, okay, fine. And they were a company who owned marketingsherpa.com, yeah? Yep, marketing I know Sherpa. that, yeah? I yeah, Yeah, and the company behind that, they also own the biggest market research company in the world, right? That's one of their, uh, they're very clever. What they do is they have a market research company. This is such a clever business model. Market research company, right? They charge $150,000, $200,000 every month to corporates to set up a marketing lab to, uh, to get data for them. And they sell the data back to the corporation. They also use that data in marketingsherfer.com. It's, it's it is <clears> mind-blowing. <throat> yeah, mind-blowing business model, right? So he said, okay. So um, he said, my CEO uh, read your book. We absolutely love it. We want you to come out and spend two days with us. How much? I was like, okay. Uh, I said, well, I normally charge 30 grand for a day. Two days, I could do a discount. Let's call it 50K. Flew out to see them spent two days, they paid me 50 K and this is what I said to him. I said to him, here's the thing, right? I'm going to spend two days with you. I'll guarantee you this, that you will never need to bring me back in. I will cover everything I possibly can during those two days. Guess what? They bought me back three times, right? Cause they loved it so much. They bought board It's value
0: based, two- but you're, you're, yeah, yeah, the yeah. investment's value based, right? So like, yeah. you know, if, if what 50 K drives, you know, a million bucks or more for yeah. these guys or changes their cost structure. And so they're what- not spending it.
1: And that's what I realized, right? These companies, like a $50 million turnover, $100 million turnover, 50K was nothing to them. So then I went on a, went on a rampage doing consulting for Fortune companies. And then uh, I, I met a company in, uh, in, uh, at a conference, North America. He said, look, I've looked at what you're doing. I like what you're doing. Do you license your training? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we have a massive uh, team. And what we like to do is, do you have a train the trainer? And I said, no, I don't have a train the trainer. So I developed a train the trainer. And we went down. I licensed my uh, training to them, and um, uh, and they loved it. And they're paying a yearly licensing fee uh, plus royalties. Uh, they had to buy all the the, the 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 stuff from me, right? Initially as well. And then um, they made me an offer, right? They said, look, yeah. this partnership is going so well. It's a 50-50 partnership. And they said, what we're interested in is we want to take over all this stuff, right? We want to incorporate it, and we, we want it to be ours. How much? And I said, well, make me an offer. So they made me an offer, and I said, look, here's the thing. Put another zero at the end of it, and I'll think about it. And then it went, it went all dead and quiet. And then in 2017, right, they came back, and they put another zero at the end, and it was eight figures. And I was like, you know what? The timing was right because, number one, my kids were very young. And I, previous to that, I was a, I was a bloody workaholic. I was flying everywhere around the world doing corporate consulting. I absolutely I did love it, but it was, it was just killing me. Right. It was just killing me. And then, um, I thought, you know what, this is the time I can cash out and spend more time with my kids and then just chill. And that's what I did. 2017. I, I sold as acquisition partnership, right?
0: So that's, not, that's not what you, the, the joint venture group that you've got now, that's not what you sold.
1: No, no, the geometry group is just the, just my group that I do think. But it's under. the same it's the
0: same ideology and methodology, isn't it? I mean it's, it is, it's all yeah, your it IP is. that you've just packaged in different ways.
1: Yeah, it is. But what I did was this, I licensed my IP back from them. So what I did was I said, there's the thing. They wanted me to sign a note, a non-compete for a five year non-compete. And I said, okay, look, I'll sign that, but I want a five year I want a license. I want a license as well that I can license my content back and still use it. So you can only do it in certain
0: ways I imagine so Hale, there's yeah, certain exactly. things that you can't yeah. do yeah. yeah
1: exactly so this is fine. So I signed the non-compete which means I can't go into corporations anymore cuz that's what they were doing. So I stopped doing corporate consulting but I had my stuff back because I had a license, and I was paying peanuts on the royalties. Peanuts on the royalties, oh my God. Right? <laughs> So I had oh. that, and then I, I, I get excited it,
0: by I, these conversations.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> so basically, I, reti- I, I retired. I basically took a year off, and then I, got, I just got bored because so, how much how much how much golf can you play? It right. So I got bored. I thought I've got to go back into this, and then I, I just started doing my boot camps again. I said, look, I'm going to start doing the boot camps again because I really enjoyed doing them, and the rest is history. And then. um, before Clubhouse, seriously, I was gonna come off social media for good. I was like, you know what? I don't need to be doing this anymore. I want to, I want to try and do something different. And then bloody Clubhouse came out of nowhere. And you know what? You got like? addicted to. So you got addicted yeah, to it, mate, as we yeah. all did. When, when we first, <laughs> when we first came on Clubhouse, we were like, you know what? It's all or nothing, man. It was like you're at the casino and you're you're throwing that dice. Like I'm all in, right? It's all or nothing, and that was it. Clubhouse started, and I thought, you know what? This is quite amazing because. Number one, I don't have to dress up in a shirt and a tie. Number two, people can't see me. Number three, I can be sitting here, having a cup of tea in my shorts on the beach and I could be still doing stuff. And then, um, clubhouse was amazing when I, when we first started clubhouse and we were, we were in the round table, right? Yeah, I
0: do, mate. I do very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So when we were doing all that stuff, you know, I had the, the intro that I had with the joint venture stuff. And then I had this group on Facebook and, uh, I was spending, I was dabbling, testing out Facebook ads, trying to grow this group. I thought, let's see what we can do. And then Clubhouse came and I found, wow, the quality on Clubhouse was amazing. It blew everything, anything out of my mind. And I was getting 50 to 100 people a day joining my Facebook group. And then on the back of the Facebook group, I had those high ticket programs. We were doing six figures a month just off this Facebook group. And to me, it was just... It, you know what? It's a side hustle, man. It was just a, it was fun. We were making money. And then Mario left. <laughs> when Mario oh, he's been
0: on the podcast. So the listeners know yeah, yeah, Mario. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, I love Mario. Mario was like an inspiration for many people. I mean, that guy was amazing. His rooms, his round table rooms. Well, we I mean, had like 1500
0: was... to 2000 people, didn't yeah, we? In the it's beginning.
1: Crazy. Yeah. And the questions this guy would ask was pretty phenomenal. So after that, when, the, the, the group split and that's what happened when Mario left everyone was like okay w- w- what direction are we all going because we were all glued together from this round table after that, I was like okay what do I want to do and I looked at what everyone else is doing and uh, you know who inspired me JT Fox JT Fox was doing these pitch rooms right and um he would have people come in and he would give them he would say hard soft hard pitch or soft pitch right that's i remember do, i
0: right? remember the saturday yeah. afternoon sessions yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it but but it was hardcore man i was like you know what and a lot of people would complain about it and you know i was i speak to people and people say look you know the, who is this guy blah blah blah. but that's the thing he he has he has his own audience and people and people love it and people hate it it's like what do they call it is it marmite right From, yeah, You either love it. that's right or yeah, hate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got, well, what
0: they say you've got to you've got to have people who love you hate you otherwise you're not trying yeah hard
1: exactly and then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go at this because I, what I saw was this, right? And I'm all about leverage. Running rooms is exhausting, right? Uh, I see people running tw- like twelve hour rooms, ten hour. I said, oh, you know what? I can't do that, man. I have a life. I've got kids. I, I you know, I, I enjoy my freedom. I enjoy my life. I do not want to be stuck on Clubhouse twenty four hours a day just running rooms on how to become a millionaire, millionaire versus billionaire, blah blah blah. I thought, no, I gotta do something different. And then I thought, you know what? I looked at JT and I thought I love his business model. You know, he's just a, he's in the room. He facilitates. People come up and uh, and they do the talking. And then I had uh, uh, I don't even know where it started. I think someone we had a conversation with someone. And they were talking about um, uh, investors uh, being connected to fundraisers. And that's where it all started from. And then she started introducing me to all these investors and these VCs. And I said, you know what? This, is, this sounds interesting. And, uh, and, and it all rolled from there. Then I set up the pitch club. Then I had the pitch room. Now, what I love about the pitch room is this, right? Is that I don't do most of the talking in that pitch room. I have moderators who are VCs and investors who asked the questions from startups that come to the stage. So for me, it became easy, you know, then. Yeah, well, you just get to ra-
0: curate, don't you? So you get yeah, to be exactly. the, the name on the door, so to speak, yeah. so but you have so other people doing the work.
1: Yeah, so it's so basically a connector, right? And a facilitator, which is what I've always been. I've always been a connector of people. So I, I connected these people and we built an amazing community from it. And now we just do this room like three days a week and that's it. And, you know, for me, it was like I said to everyone up front, look, I want to spend more time off Clubhouse. You know, I don't need to be on Clubhouse 24-7 like everyone is. And I think the biggest thing for those people is FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. That's what it was for everyone. You know, we need to be on there because we don't know what's yeah. going to happen if I leave the room. And it's just far from there. And one of the things, it, the biggest things from there is I've made some amazing friends. And um, uh, also, I've got a, um, you know, one of my um, uh, projects I'm working on is setting up an investment fund, right, for people to uh, invest, uh, into a fund where we basically we give back, so it's like social impact. So having the ability to uh, give back and do uh, uh, you know impact related projects, sustainable related projects. So people basically who are making money already and making millions or whatever they're they're doing, but they're not really doing much in terms of uh, impact investing or you know charities or f- philanthropic philanthropic stuff. Philanthropic, right? yeah, yeah, my, yeah. My thing is that I will do that. The uh, each of us are going to put in one hundred thousand dollars. We're going to get to uh, we're going to build it to a million dollar fund uh, every year. And every year we're going to have a pot of million dollars to spend on, uh, on on philanthropy. But I will basically manage that. I will uh, I will do all the the, the legwork. And, uh, you know, you you guys will basically benefit from that in terms of getting involved and you can carry on doing what you are doing. So that's that's the next thing I'm working on.
0: Man, this has been like, we've covered a lot here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what I want to do to finish up respectful of your time, um, is, you know, people have taken a lot of things away from this, but one thing that I'm sort of like listening and kind of curious through is, you know, it, it's all, it all comes back to connection. It comes back to rapport. Yeah. And to some extent, what I, I love, what you said also about, you know, not being attached to something so that you can be objective. Cause I'm sure Correct. that the more you are objective the more that you can actually see opportunities for what they really are, which, yeah. which is a superpower in its own right. So so what can people do, Sahel, if they want to kind of connect with you or they want to kind of because you've got a number of programs, don't you, that teach this stuff as well?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing really right now, because I'm all about giving back right. And you know, I don't really promote my programs also like oh, directly on Clubhouse. I mean, if people want to find out more about me, you need to go through the foundation really and understand the concept and you know uh, get into it first to go to the next level. So I'd say for everyone who's listening, the only place I'd want you to go is go to uh, uh freejointventurebook.com. It's free joint venture yeah. and download the book Guerrilla Marketing and Joint Ventures. I think that will be the first um uh your first journey into building that relationship with me and also learning more about joint ventures so uh that's the that's the only thing I always say to people because after that you know, as we build a relationship and people have more questions, then I can, I can be of service.
0: Awesome. Well, listen. I appreciate your time, Sahel. Um, as I said, we've known each other for a while. It's been a long time coming, but um, I know <laughs> it's incredible. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking there's, there's probably another thousand questions I've got in my head here. Crazy, part two. Go part, do. two. part two, exactly. Well, there'll be questions <laughs> around this, I'm sure, because as I say, like, and I'll just kind of finish with this, is that you know, if you want to grow your business and scale your business to you know create wealth, freedom, impact, whatever is important to you, and it might be all of those things you've got to do it strategically. You've got to do it through relationships. You've got to look for leverage. You've got to look for compounds, right? And the stuff that we've covered in the last 60 minutes of our conversation today is a masterclass in that stuff. So, Sahel Khan, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Amazing.